Not one, but two teams came back from two goals down to win this weekend in Austria. And on this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast, we've got premature pitch invasions, choosing the wrong game to go to, and a ticketing dilemma as well. Welcome to the other Bundesliga podcast. It's me, Tom Midler, and him, Lee Wingate, here to talk about the beautiful Austrian Bundesliga. We're into the final few match days now. Only one left, in fact, after this weekend's action. And it is almost time to put this season in the books. But there are still a few bits and bobs to be decided. And, of course, some interesting stuff popping up from around the grounds, nonetheless. Lee, before we talk about the Austrian football weekend, uh, I'm afraid I have to bring things to the German football weekend. Saturday was a pretty big day for both of us and for anyone who's interested in football north of the border from here in Austria. It was a weekend for all of us. There's me, you and Simon, of course. Dortmund, you know, a club that that you're very much involved with, me too. Uh, Coventry, my team, playing in a massive playoff final and Everton, Simon's team, trying to stave off relegation from the Premier League. It was pretty dramatic stuff this weekend, wasn't it, for us? Yeah, and only Simon came out the winner. I say the winner, he's still an Everton fan, (laughs) so is he really the winner? It was galling, to say the least. I have struggled (laughs) to sleep ever since. Uh, I'm a big Dortmund fan, and uh, yeah, that was tough to take. When you're responsible for content production at Dortmund as well, and you're trying to sort of produce positive content, I was commentating on the game and doing the highlights afterwards as well for BVB TV, as they'd say in German, or BVB TV, and I can only imagine how many views the highlights are going to get for that game because they had the chance to win the title. Of course, all they had to do was beat Mainz and they couldn't do it. And it was an Austrian goal scorer as well who scored the uh, essentially the second and and crucial goal for Mainz. Karim Onizewo got the goal and that uh, ultimately would deny Dortmund the title. Dejan Lubacic, ex-Rapid player, mind you, scored a late goal for Cologne over against Bayern, and it looked like he would give the title back to Dortmund for a second. But uh, alas, Bayern got the late winner, and we've had uh, 10 consecutive wins here for Salzburg, and now in Germany, it's even worse. Bayern have made it 11 in a row. Yeah, it's uh, probably not really reflective of a healthy league when you get a team that wins that many times in a row. But nonetheless, Dortmund had it in their own hands, and... uh, I think it's very much a missed opportunity rather than anything else. Does that mean we have an unhealthy league here? I suppose we've we've not really hidden from that fact in the past few years, have we? No, I think we, we do from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the numerous positives that Salzburg bring, some of these amazing players coming through, their improvement of Austria's coefficient and, and how Austrian football is regarded internationally, Champions League involvement. But yeah, from a... Uh, a title point of view, yeah, I suppose we do have an unhealthy league. It makes me wonder, seeing Dortmund fall at the final hurdle like that, you know, when you're not used to winning the league and winning trophies year in, year out, and constantly being in competition for that kind of thing, there are these nerves that creep in. It's a different proposition, you know, just in inverted commas, just going to beat Mainz at home. Their home form this season would have suggested that they should be able to roll over Mainz quite comfortably. Of course, it didn't happen. I think a lot of us 
kind of could see that it was going to be a difficult and, and at very least a very emotional roller coaster kind of day. Like a British player playing tennis at Wimbledon. It's never simple. It's always tough. It's always it always puts you through the mill. It just made me wonder, you know what? If Sturm had beaten Salzburg the other week and they had given it a real title run and they had got the chance maybe to win their last couple of games and win the league title, you do just think then, would Sturm have actually done it? I know they've gone and lost a game since then. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it was a dead rubber, so it doesn't really count the same. But it does make you wonder, would would they have been able to get over the line? Or is it just really, really tough when you're not that team that, that wins a lot? Yeah, it's a good point. I would have loved that, sending us to different grounds around the league for, uh, you know, reporting <laughs> from different stadiums on the final day. That would have been a lot of fun. Not to be this year, maybe next year. Who knows? I, I do think Sturm Graz are building something pretty impressive, despite what happened at the weekend. The last parallel I'll go with is that I feel like Bayern are going to get stronger and Dortmund are going to get weaker in this offseason. Bayern have sorted a lot of things out already. You saw, <laughs> was it Salih Hamzic getting fired on the pitch after the <laughs> after the final whistle when they won the title? And Kahn wasn't even invited to the game, for example. So crazy goings on in Germany. Um, but whereas I feel Salzburg, if you look at the media reports in the last few days and weeks, there's a whole host of extra players now that rumours are suggesting that people are going to swoop in for them and buy them. You know, Adamu was linked to Freiburg most recently, and he came on and had a great game this weekend, Adamu. And it makes you think, actually, Salzburg are losing some of their more finished products like Sheshko and Seibald, but they're also going to lose some of their up-and-coming products, it looks like, in this off-season. Um, and I do wonder if Salzburg will be weaker for it and have a younger, uh, more sort of fresh squad next year in terms of like very young and, and raw talent. Um, and Sturm, although Sturm will surely lose some players themselves, uh, you do wonder whether Sturm can keep the, the backbone of that squad together, maybe a little bit better than Salzburg can. Who knows? Big question mark there, but could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I understand the point about losing the finished articles, but this is also a conversation we've had in seasons gone by on this podcast when Salzburg have lost players and they still somehow managed to do it anyway. So I wouldn't <laughs> put huge store in, in that happening, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, very fair. Anyway, disappointment for Dortmund. Coventry then lost on the penalties in the playoff final. So uh, my awful football Saturday was complete with that. And uh, Everton managed to stay up on the Sunday. From those things to, to the real Austrian Bundesliga action, I'd like to start things maybe at the bottom this weekend because Reed are finally down. Altac have stayed up and there is a hell of a battle in Liga 2 to take over Reed's place in the Bundesliga. So uh, first things first with Reed, what did you make of their their final, uh, well, not final yet because there's still one more match day. It really felt like the final weekend this mm. weekend. It's, it's such a, it had such a finality to it, not just with the German Bundesliga finishing, but like all these players were given a send off and it was lots of teams final home game or at least potential final home game if they don't make the playoffs. It, it had a very, very final feeling to it, didn't it? And for Reed, it ultimately was in a way. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think they've been very good all season and that's a very easy conclusion to draw when a team has finished bottom of the league but only four wins throughout the entire campaign if they don't win on the final day that is the fewest number of wins since the format was changed to our current points half top six bottom six in 2018-19 so they could potentially be one of the very worst Bundesliga teams in recent years also I think it's their worst ever Bundesliga season if you're going to try and sort of dissect and work out what's gone wrong for them. I don't watch loads of Reed, but over the three years they've spent in the Bundesliga now, they've had seven different coaches with one of those Christian Heinler serving two separate spells. 
So that's, you know, lots of coach changes, lots of instability there. Yeah, again, I thought against Hartberg, they they just they just weren't very good at the weekend. You know, some balls sort of cutting the defence open with relative ease. And <laughs> what do they expect? I think they, they really sort of made their own bed and now they have to lie in it. Talking about Reed managers, it's amazing to think. I think it was an anniversary not that long ago, or it was just coming up to it. And it's less than a decade since Oliver Glasner, shockingly, he made the divide, the Upper Austria divide, which is between Reed and Lask. And uh, Oliver Glasner left Reed, the club that he'd served for so long, moved over then to Lask. And then since then, you know, Lask had the promotion. Lask have been pushing up towards the top of the Bundesliga. They've got a new stadium. They've got some really good, exciting players. They've completely changed kind of as a club in terms of their stature. Glasner himself has gone on and won the Europa League. You know, he's done an incredible job in his managerial career. And Reed are kind of back in the same situation where Glasner left them, which I think is quite interesting and must be a little bit tough to digest for fans of Reed or upper Austrians who are not particularly fond of Lask, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it is interesting to look at that way. I mean, you say that they have had some notable successes in that time, mostly in the cup. They seem to be sort of cup specialists. They reached the semi-finals this year at the final recently. They've they've won it twice, I think, this century or, or maybe twice in the last 25 years at least. And so they have had some successes but just the the league is is a different animal and it requires the consistency over a long period of time and I I don't think either of us can doubt the fact that they just have not had it this season it's a bit of a shame for their part that they couldn't take it to the final day and then you never know what can happen on the final day but they were just a bit lifeless in the Hartberg game and they just didn't really deserve anything We have had some final day thrillers. You're absolutely on the money about that. And uh, I was hoping we'd be involved in one with our fixtures next weekend. I'll talk about that a bit later. But um, it's a contrast, isn't it? To play Hartberg, you know, that's a beatable opponent when you really, really have everything on the line. And they were outplayed and and outclassed, really, by a team who are, uh, in, in real terms, you know, not that far above them in the league. So... I think it was a confirmation that it was deserved. It was a bit cruel that they they thought they'd gone 1-0 up and the goal was ruled out for a, a marginal but correct offside call. But it just gave them that that last, you know, those last embers of hope that were then extinguished by a couple of Hartberg goals. And as you'd say, I think deserved. And on the same day as well, um, Altac picked up a point at least. So so they ensured their survival with a kind of positive result in a sense they didn't like lose their way over the line so that puts uh, further contrast between them so I think probably the right team have been relegated and you know celebrations for Altac because all of those teams in the bottom six only really want to stay up and once that's sorted then they can look uh, up to the the domestic playoff for the conference league but First and foremost, you've got to stay up. And now Altac have done that for yet another year. They're fast becoming the the Admira of old, who just sort of had this close run in with relegation every season. I was going to say, are they just the Austrian Everton, just managing to beat the drop <laughs> at the last every season? Um, it's two seasons in a row now that they've gone pretty close. And you have to feel that this is going to be an ongoing predicament until they one year do not make it. I feel like it's a question of time before Altac go down. I feel like they're on the slide rather than on the up. You can't see them getting back into Europe. What if Lampard came? Lampard to Altac. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, or would he get I'd them relegated? To, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, he probably would get them relegated at this rate, wouldn't he? 
have you seen those memes being like, oh, he tried so hard, you know, but he just, uh, he tried to, to fight on two fronts and get two teams relegated, but just arrived too late at Chelsea. <laughs> it's a rough, I, I, a rough I season. That, for, yeah. did, did, is it Simon who said Lampard is Everton? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He said essentially meaning Lampard is pure Everton and uh, that didn't work out too well, but they did stay up um, as have Altax. So, you know. Lampard is Altax. Hmm. Altax stay up. Reed have gone down. The race, however, in Liga Tsvar for that final spot is an absolute thriller. We've alluded to this for the last couple of weeks because the leads kept changing hands. It's been a three-way fight. If you look at the last few relegation years or, or, or promotion years, actually, you know, in Liga Tsvar, we've had some incredible races. I remember Reed themselves, uh, to, to leave Reed on a more positive note for this pod, didn't they win 9-0 on the final day a couple of years mm. ago to go up on goal difference? And people were like, oh my God, you've got to, you've got to look into this. Like, what has happened here? Yeah. They won 9-0 and went up on goal difference. Come on. Big helping hand there from Floridsdorfer Adsey, who lost 9-0 on the last day. Why couldn't Mainz have done that? Why couldn't Mainz have just done that? Whatever. Um, Reed won 9-0 on the final day. Klagenfurt came third a couple of years ago and went up via a crazy playoff against St. Pölten. But this year, we've just got three teams at the top properly duking it out for the win. And every time somebody's been in pole position, they've sort of stumbled. St. Pölten uh, haven't won for four games now to really throw away their lead. Blauweiss Linz have been very much consistent, but just a couple of times they've tripped up in the last month or so. They haven't really left the door that wide open, but they did leave it open a tiny bit. And that was enough for Gia Car to sneak into top spot. And they confirmed that this weekend with a win. And now Gia Car look to the final day with the lead in their hands. Yeah, I think it's important to offer some of our listeners who might not be familiar a bit of context about Grazza Akar as well, because this is a big team that previously won the Bundesliga in 2004. They played, I think they beat Liverpool, didn't they, in a Champions League qualifier or one leg of the qualifier. That's right, but with an incredible goal as well. And I think that was at Anfield. I, I think they won the yeah. leg at Anfield 1-0 and then lost the, the other leg. But it was uh, yeah, a very, very special moment. And that was the year Liverpool went on to win in Istanbul. They beat yeah. that Liverpool team. Amazing. And it's been a stunning fall from grace since then with insolvencies and restarting. You know, a lot of teams, right? They restart and they say that they're starting at the bottom of the pyramid, but they might start from the third or fourth division. I'm pretty sure that Giaka have started from around the eighth tier. And because of having won the Bundesliga in 2004, if they win the second division this season, they may have become champions in every tier of Austrian football going, which is a pretty unique record. So yeah, just from that point of view, it's a really nice story. The fans restarted this club, this Phoenix club, and they've risen from those ashes and almost clinched a place in the Bundesliga. And I think it would be lovely if they did nothing against Blauweiss Linz, but I think it would be nice if Giaka were back in the Bundesliga. Blauweiss Linz won the league a couple of years ago. We talked about their beer crate, you know, the trolley full of beers as the celebration. We, we always talk about that because it's awesome. But um, I do wonder, after what we saw in Germany this weekend, did you see the Hamburg fans on the pitch celebrating promotion and then Heidenheim got goals in the 93rd and 99th minutes and the Hamburg fans had already like cut the net down and were like keeping mementos of their amazing promotion and then they didn't realise. And there was another one as well in Germany, wasn't there, this weekend? Yeah, Osnabrück and VN Wiesbaden. So the VN Wiesbaden fans invaded the pitch thinking they'd gone up and they hadn't. Well, they're still in the, the playoffs, but they didn't go up directly. 
same as Hamburg, actually. But it made me wonder, what's happened to football fans? Like, I know storming the pitch has become like a really big thing these days. I guess social media helps. Everyone wants to take the videos and whatever. But what's happened to that that final five minutes of like listening on the radio or even to be more modern, watching on your phone? Don't you do that in the stand first? You watch on your phone for the last couple of minutes. If the game's not finished elsewhere, you watch the last five minutes of that game before storming the pitch. Football fan 101, surely. Yeah, I think it's because in both games, two goals were needed. So they probably judged it unlikely. But still, yeah, very much getting ahead of yourself because you just look like idiots, don't you, if you invade the pitch prematurely. Are you expecting to see this then? Either Blauweiss, Lintz or Giacar on the final day? I guess the more realistic scenario would have to be Dawn being lead against Giacar, Blauweiss, Lintz win their game whilst there's still time on the clock in Dornbien, Blauweiss Linz fans storm the pitch celebrating promotion. Gear Car get two at home. Michi- exactly. So there, there you go. They storm the pitch at home celebrating promotion. Michi Lindor scores a penalty in the 94th and the 97th minute to turn it around. And uh, Gear Car get promoted. Blauweiss Linz fans are on the pitch. They think it's all over. And uh, in fact, it is all over and they finish second. That's, that's my prophecy for this weekend. I'm very excited to say that we will be at Dornbien versus Giacar and we might be able to witness one half of this magic. I suppose it could happen the other way around as well, but uh, given that it's in Giacar's hands, the, the scenario that I've said, I think, is the, the more likely one for the kind of embarrassing too early pitch invasion. Yeah, I think also Graz Aka are away, so that makes a pitch invasion from a small section of away fans a little bit less likely. But yeah. I have seen the adverts not... going out already, mind you, being like, let's all go to Dornbin, let's all go to Dornbin. So it could be it could be a pretty good one to be at, actually. I wonder what the transport will be like for us getting to Dornbin uh, at the weekend. Yeah, it's a long journey, isn't it? From Graz to Dornbin, that must be close to 500 kilometres. I'll go with you on the geography of that. That sounds about right, though. It's definitely a long, long way, and it's even longer for us. I've said also that we should go to VSG on the final day in the Bundesliga, thinking it would be VSG against Altac, the, the Vest derby, you know, an interesting game to watch. And now Altac have survived and uh, Lustenau v Hartberg was our other option. And that's like a playoff for the European duel. It's a playoff for the playoff, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I feel a bit silly. So sorry about that, that I've uh, booked us in for VSG instead. Oh, have you? Yeah, sorry. I've booked us in for VSG and now it's a complete dead rubber. Oh, yeah. I haven't actually <laughs> applied yet, so I probably should do that today, shouldn't I? But can we not cancel that and, and apply for the other game? I guess we could. If you want, you, you I mean, you can go to Lister now. I'll go to VSK, mate. <laughs> oh, of course, because we're going. Yeah, okay, I get it, because that game's in Tyrol. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah I'm very slow long... today. <laughs> no worries. It was just a bit of a long journey because you're coming back and then turning around quickly to go west. So, yeah, anyway, enough about that. Mickey Lindor, second division. He's going to be the MVP again, isn't he? And if they get promotion, it's just incredible. Blauweiss-Lintz have got Ronnie Valdo on 18 goals, Matthias Seidel on 12, Fale Mayulu on 11 with nine assists. Uh, the top scorer at Giacar is Marcus Rusek and Michi Lindel on seven. But Lindel's got 15 assists. That's six more than anybody else. It could be the Michi Lindel story again if, if Giacar go up here. I mean, that's pretty much what we remember of him from the Bundesliga days, isn't it? He was just an assist machine. It's a very valuable player to have in your squad. 
Very much so. But um, let's see whether he can push them over the line next weekend or whether they will trip up in their final game a la Dortmund. There's a whole battle going on at the bottom of Liga Svart as well, but we'll cover that more next weekend because who knows what's going to happen there. There's so many teams involved and I think a direct shootout between Steyr and Admira for a relegation spot or to avoid a relegation spot, I suppose. But that'll be enough for part one and our look at the relegation zone in the Bundesliga and the promotion race in Liga Svart. In part two, we'll turn our attentions towards the European places that are still up for grabs in the Bundesliga there's a bit of a ticket pricing problem to talk about as well and some players of the season as voted by the Bundesliga too so stick around for that Welcome back to the other Bundesliga podcast we promised you some European talk so here it is 7th and 8th in the table will get the domestic playoff places the winner of that clash will then play P5 for a Conference League qualification spot. P4 will go to the Conference League qualification directly. The battle for that uh, fourth or fifth spot involves Austria Klagenfurt, Austria Vienna and Rapid Vienna. And let's start with Austria Klagenfurt because they went 2-0 up away in Salzburg this weekend. Shock on the cards. And then in the end, they lost 3-2. Did you see that coming, Lee? <laughs> Did I see Salzburg coming back to win 3-2 when they were 2-0 down? Yes. Did I see Austria Klagenfurt going 2-0 up? No. But then again, you do see this sometimes when a team doesn't actually have anything to play for. All it takes is a couple of percentage points to drop off. And that makes a difference in professional football. You know, obviously, Austria Klagenfurt did go into this game still in with a chance of getting into Europe. They don't have that anymore now. They've lost this game. But they did start very well. Salzburg, I thought, was quite interesting because they, they started with Alexander Valka in goal and then brought him off in the 33rd minute, sort of ceremonially to say goodbye to him. He's, he's 39 now, almost 40. And he conceded the goal. Would another goalkeeper have saved that? I don't know. He did one of those dives that you see on the replay where he doesn't really reach out his hand. And that confuses me. That does happen. It's not just him. I've seen it with loads of goalies sometimes. And I guess it's when you're sort of a bit wrong-footed or whatever, or you know you've gone too late. But it always looks then on the replay, you're like, oh, if you'd done a full dive there, you might have kept it out. But I think you're right to credit Klagenfurt. They played really well in the early stages, not just because they went 2-0 up. Like even later on in the game, they showed some beautiful moves and, and really they were going for it. But uh, as you say, in the end, Salzburg in their beautiful black and gold championship jerseys, they ended up coming back. And now Klagenfurt are stuck in sixth. They will not go to Europe. The conspiracy that I talked about from last week Absolutely confirmed now, surely. The Bundesliga wanted them to be sixth. There we go, they're sixth. Is that what I happened? Think nah, they only have themselves to blame. I mean, for um, for some of the goals there, they, they did seem like they'd gone to sleep a little bit. And also, they did have the opportunity to win that game. Andy Irving, after making it 2-1, then broke through, had an opportunity to square it to a teammate, went for goal himself, missed, and and Chesco equalised at 2-2 shortly. I was no Adam Musari equalised at 2-2 shortly afterwards. So I think they do only have themselves to blame there. No conspiracies for me. No, it was a lovely move. Um, Peter Packel, the coach, was talking about handball decisions constantly going against his team. He thinks every time it hits the hand in the box, if it's Klagenfurt, it's a penalty against. If it's somebody else... Klagenfurt don't get those penalties but it's hard to you know he said no this is this is facts this is the truth I can say it straight this is the truth this is what happened yeah as we said last week I think everybody sort of feels like that and definitely a couple of teams have had some really tough ones go against them this season but look at Lustenau they had that horrible one against Lask and then they got the most crazy penalty ever last week against VSG so 
yeah, swings and roundabouts, I guess. And maybe maybe Klagenfurt are due a little bit of luck next year, but I'm sure they will get it somewhere. And we have to remember as well that for Klagenfurt, as well as they've done this season, even if they've lost this one and they're re- resigned to sixth place, that's still a very good effort. That's still sixth. You know, they're, they're still top six, top half, playing big games. They're not going to go down. They knew that ages ago. That's still a really good effort. Yeah, I mean, they are the best of the rest, essentially. We talked about that sort of top five, the, the two Vienna clubs, Salzburg, Lask and Sturm. They are the best of the rest after that. They have been for the last two seasons now. So I think it's a, a very good effort from them. Obviously, they would have liked to push on and get into Europe, but they were the sixth best team and they, they're going to finish sixth. So it makes sense to me. Facts are facts. Elsewhere, the other Austria went away to the Raiffeisen Arena in Linz and Lask came out 3-1 winners. It looked like a deserved victory to me, although I was at Rapid and I didn't see all that much of this one. They sort of took a back seat with the drama unfolding against uh, Salzburg and the drama unfolding at Rapid as well. This was kind of interesting because Lask were one of those teams that are already locked into their position. They're locked into third. And Austria-Vienna have so much to play for. They really needed the win in this game to keep that advantage heading into the final day. But as you say, Lask were much better. Nakamura with a lovely goal. Just very impressed every time I see him do pretty much anything. That was his 14th goal of the season, by the way, which is a great effort. Um, And he's also been called up for the Japan national team, which I thought is worth throwing in there for the, the big Japan fan that you are, Tom. Yeah, he got his first call up in the last window. So if he's back in the in the mix, that's really good. He made his debut for just a couple of minutes in the last window. Um, I spoke to him about that in that interview I did a few weeks ago. But nice to see him back in the squad. Obviously, rewards for, for the hard work that he's been putting in. But as you say, 14 goals of the season. This, perhaps the best one, a really lovely finish into the one corner. For a winger, he's a left winger. He's not a centre forward by any means. He's obviously a very attacking player. But for a, for a proper wide winger, I think that's a pretty good return. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, doesn't he finish the season as their top scorer now, I presume? He will, yeah. Yeah, so overtaking Marin Lubacic, who got off to such a flying start, didn't he, with something like nine goals in his first six games and then really seems to have fallen off a little bit. Lubacic did come off the bench and hit the post, as did Moses Usor. So Lask did have a lot more of the chances. Dominic Fitz levelled for Austria-Vienna. Tabakovic looked a little bit potentially offside there. That was a very close call. I don't know if you saw yeah, they that. looked at that for a long time, didn't they? Yeah, they, mm. they checked it out. But yeah, fine margins, but Fitz was able to squeeze in a leveller. By the way, I just said that uh, Nakamura will finish as top scorer. Of course, that's not guaranteed. <laughs> Who knows what's going to yeah. happen next week? But um, at the moment, he's their top scorer. The remaining goals uh, came from uh, Lubacic did get a goal and Moses also finally got his first Bundesliga goal. Um, it was a tap in and he sort of dropped to his knees and prayed through the net. So I think it was a bit of a relief to get that weight off of his shoulders, but Lask were worthy of the win. And it does leave things a little bit challenging for Austria-Vienna now because they've got Salzburg on the final day. They're going to have to hope that being at home to Salzburg, who don't have anything to play for, will be enough. Whereas Rapid are in Klagenfurt, so they're away, but also against a team with nothing to play for. They've definitely handed the advantage back to Rapid Vienna ahead of the final day. They've left themselves in a tough spot now and they look uh, favourites, odds on really, to finish fifth. Before I move on to Rapid, who have uh, moved up to fourth this weekend, I just wanted to mention the ticket price issue that I talked about in the little teaser for the second half, because that is a Lask issue, and it's an issue with their new stadium. The brilliant sector for the fans, the, the hardcore fans behind the goal, that's always full. It's always creating a lot of atmosphere. But I think in the new stadium now, there have been seven home games, a couple of Austria internationals as well, which have been really good. But um, in all the home games... 
they are yet to actually sell out. And the Lask fans are starting to feel a bit, well, they've always felt since the prices were announced, a little bit uh, perhaps taken for a ride by the pricing structure. Basically, the complaints are, are these chiefly, that the base prices are too expensive, even in the, the ultra section. So the cheapest standing section, the really nice section where all the atmosphere is, is €25 Euro, uh, per game for a match ticket. But then generally for the rest of the stands, we've seen the things uh, like they have at Salzburg, the big sort of tarpaulins with adverts covering up the upper sections for some of these games, even though they're big top six clashes and, you know, big battles for European places and things. And essentially the underlying reason for that is just that the tickets are too expensive and that there's not enough, there's no offers, you know, there's no sort of discounts available or apparently, you know, there's no discounts for, for various different groups and there's no sort of schemes inviting like school children or people like members of clubs or whatever to come in at a discounted rate. There's, there's like nothing doing that. And I think Lask fans are worrying that by not filling out the stadium, you know, they're also kind of alienating a next generation of fans and, you know, failing to use the extra seats that they've got available to bring through more supporters. And I do wonder whether that's something that Lask will, will take a look at off the pitch, uh, you know, behind the scenes before next season, but football is football. And, you know, in a way, if that's the strategy that they think is best, it's sort of hard to see it changing without massive pressure. They're obviously not bowing down to the pressure to change away from the pink away jerseys or anything like that. So, yeah, let's see how that one goes. Yeah, you do wonder if that's a little bit counterintuitive by um, sticking to the expensive ticket prices. They're probably missing out, for the moment at least, on all the additional revenue that would come from other fans going if they were cheaper. Uh, but of course, they're probably hoping that in the long run, they can get a full stadium with those prices once people get used to it and accept it. Uh, but yeah, obviously, like as far as ticket prices go, I did think that my um, Euro qualifier between Austria and Estonia at 38 euros was, was quite quite steep for Austria generally, I think. Not cheap at all. In any case, Lask beat Austria. Uh, they're secured in third, as we said. And with the two Austrias losing... Uh, Rapid had the chance to make ground in the battle for fourth, which is definitely the preferable uh, European spot that's remaining. No playoff needed. You just go into the qualifiers directly. And uh, Rapid, who, <laughs> as we've said a few times with these games, Rapid were the team who needed the points. Sturm had very little to play for. In fact, nothing because they're locked into that runners-up spot. And yet it was Sturm who were 2-0 up early on in the game. Uh, Rapid's pretty dodgy defending coming back to to haunt them. This is sort of what they seem to do. They can't play much of a defensive game at the moment because when the opposition tend to attack, you feel like you never quite know whether it's going to end up in the back of the Rapid net. It did on two occasions. Sturm were 2-0 up, uh, looking on for an easy win. And then suddenly, Guido Burgstaller got one back, another goal for Burgstaller. And then it was just all Rapid basically for a little while until they were leading 3-2 in the second half. Yeah, I just want to come on to the second rapid goal because this was scored by Roman Kirschbaum from a corner. You were at the stadium. Tell us a little bit about the banner that they held up. I thought this was very funny. It was funny. Yeah, I'm glad you, you pointed that out. I mentioned it in the little video that I did on Twitter as well. So the coach, the assistant coach actually, was criticised last week and the club reacted pretty angrily about that. The manager reacted angrily. The club reacted angrily. They, you know, they defended Thomas Hickersberger, basically. And then the fans unfurled the same banner again, which was this time saying 172 corners, only two goals, bad set pieces have become the standard. 
play on words there because standard is what they call set piece in German. And then lo and behold, a couple of minutes later, Roman Kirschbaum nods in from a corner, as you say. So it was pretty funny. I, I do wonder what that select group of fans who unfurled that banner would have thought about that. But that got rapid back on terms. And then Marco Gruhl scored a lovely goal uh, assist from Burgstaller to make it 3-2. And uh, much to the dismay, I'm sure, of the two Austrias, Rapid's win puts them right in position for fourth place. It also ends a run of four straight defeats against Sturm. It, to about 1%, avenges the defeat in the cup final as well. Um, but really, it's, it just snaps a really long run. I think it's 2021 the last time they beat Sturm in a league where you often play each other four times. That's a long time. Yeah, we've talked about their winless runs against various other big teams. Salzburg's obviously very long. They're terrible in the derby. At least they've finally broken their duck against Sturm. I think this was 10 games without a win now. And uh, yeah, they finally got one. I, I wonder as well, if um, to come back to what I said before in the Salzburg-Klagenfurt game about those few percentage points dropping off when you don't have anything to play for, I don't think a Sturm that were gunning for the title would have lost this game 3-2 to Rapid. It does leave the little question mark, though. I think for Rapid now, they only need a point against Klagenfurt because they've got the bonus point. So they only need a point to guarantee fourth place, which would be something of a, a win for them. However, it's still been a flat season for Rapid. You still feel that Austria-Vienna, who now would have, if it wasn't for the points divide or them having a points uh, deduction, Austria-Vienna this is, they would actually have exactly the same amount of points as Rapid right now. It would be level on points and they'd be ahead because Austria-Vienna have come out much better in the derbies this season. So right now, you know, fourth for Rapid feels like a bit of a win, but I think they're still desperate for this season to end. And I think the first sort of 20, 25 minutes where they were 2-0 down is more reflective of their real season, really. The comeback is the outlier. It was a stunning comeback. It was great to celebrate their final league home game in that way for them. The fans deserve that kind of send-off, but really, that is the outlier. Yeah, and also a friend of the pod, Tom Walsh, was at the Rapid Vienna game yesterday. So this is a, an English friend of ours who lives in Vienna who regularly ends up in the block vest. He's a, a big Rapid fan. And he told me on Saturday that he was taking his girlfriend and his girlfriend's family to watch Rapid for the first time. I said, what are you doing that to them for? You know how Rapid have been this season. And then they go and win 3-2, a comeback in the final home game of the season. So maybe that family just needs to go more often. And that's, that's Rapid's good luck charm. I'll almost give Sturm a free pass on this because, as you say, uh, it was a dead rubber for Sturm. However, they do put themselves in these positions every once in a while where they lose games for sort of seemingly no reason. They did it recently when they were still in the title running against Lask. They played well in that game against Lask. They were 1-0 up and just sort of two very quick lapses of concentration and Lask were good enough to win. It doesn't usually happen against Rapid because often they're not quite good enough to take the chances. And it was one of those games. Sturm still could have scored plenty more goals on the day. Sturm did come up against Nicky Heddle then in, in good form in the second half. Um, there were more goals in it for them. But again, it was just, it was very unnecessary. Even in a dead rubber, it was very unnecessary for Sturm playing so well, 2-0 up, totally in control. And if you look then, the parallels with Salzburg being in the same position, at, you know, 2-0 down and, and Salzburg came back to win in their dead rubber and Sturm did the opposite in their dead rubber and lost from 2-0 up. It does just make you think, you know, it's just a little bit telling about the difference in quality between the two teams somehow, although the positions were a little bit different, of course. But you just wonder, they've done it just a few too many times this season to give you that confidence where they just lose for no reason, I think. And that there will be a bit of frustration in there for Christian Ilse, I believe. Yeah, I think it's also a case of they have 
perhaps exceeded expectations as well this season. I don't think anybody thought they would run Salzburg quite this close, even though the progress was obvious. So in that sense, maybe it's simply they've done so well that they wish they'd done a little bit better. But really, they've done so well, so they should probably be quite happy with themselves about the progress they've made. Yeah, you're probably right on that. The the live table as it stands, when Salzburg were 2-0 down and Sturm were 2-0 up, they were only back to, to 3 or 3.5, if you will, uh, points behind Salzburg again. And I thought, oh yeah, it could be a really good finish to the table. You know, obviously they can't win, but it could leave things very, very close. But alas, no. Uh, in the end, that's how it is then. Rapid are looking on for fourth place. Will they do it or will they bottle it against Klagenfurt next weekend? Only a point needed. What do you think? It really depends, I think. Because I could see Austria-Vienna maybe getting something against Salzburg just because oh, they drew 3-3 in Salzburg, didn't they, recently? I think you'd have to say that on paper, Rapid have the easier fixture in Klagenfurt. So I'd say I probably would expect Rapid to finish fourth now. They should get over the line in fourth, but you never know these days, do you? You never know. You can see them somehow bottling it as well. I think then the swinger is that Austria still have to get something against Salzburg, and that's that's still a big ask, even against a uh, an already champions Salzburg. Uh, to the top of the bottom six, VAC are now guaranteed the playoff position after their win. They need a point away against Reed to finish top and secure a home playoff. I hope they do that because I want to go to that home playoff. What about you? I think that might be like next Monday or something as well. It would be it would be really soon. It'd be right at the beginning of next week. But I'd love to go down to sunny Corinthia and watch VRT at home in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, so would I. I think probably I don't know if I trust Hartberg to win in Luster now. I really <laughs> don't know. It's really hard to call that. I mean, obviously, Lustenau, I, I feel like they've had the better overall season and Hartberg, it's been more of a late charge since Marcus Shop came back in the relegation round. I don't know. I can't call that. Yeah. So Lustenau host Hartberg. That's the battle for the other playoff spot. Technically, if Lustenau win and VRT lose, Lustenau could be uh, top and therefore get the home rights for the semi-final of the playoffs. But uh, it looks like VRT should be able to get that. So then it'll be Lustenau or Hartberg would be the opponents. And yet, uh, as I said in the first half, we are going to see VSK v Altac because I said so. So sorry about that. I thought a, <laughs> a relegation game could be on uh, in the end. Uh, never mind. Last things last, I suppose, for this podcast. Let's have a quick look. We did promise some player of the season talk. The Bundesliga have decided their votes for the players of the season, the manager of the season, the referee of the season, the newcomer, all of that stuff. For the end of this pod, let's quickly just look at the player of the season, the overall one. And once the season is done on the next podcast, we'll decide our players of the season, who we think should have won maybe some of these categories. But um, to give it its due, as the results are out now, even though the season hasn't quite finished yet, Nicholas Seibald was awarded the player of the season trophy before the game against Klagenfurt. Do you have any issues with that? It was Seibald, Nakamura, Pras, Burgstaller and Pavlovich, the top five. I mean, Keita Nakamura and Alexander Pras have been great all season. Guido Burgstaller, a great goal return, but he's missed a lot of chances as well. Personally, I've said throughout the season, I think Nicolas Seibald is the best player in the league. I agree with that vote wholeheartedly. All right. Yeah. And the top three, I think, as you say, with uh, Seibald, Nakamura and Pras, you can't really argue with that. Tabakovic would have been in with a shout as well, but it's mainly been 2023. So that sort of takes him out of the running for player of the season overall. I have been an admirer of the way Nicolas Seibald plays 
for a long time. He's one of those classic sort of Salzburg midfielders who's easy to be a little bit underrated because they don't necessarily get many goals. You know, he went a long time before scoring in the Bundesliga and he managed it for the first time a few months ago. But generally, his performances have been very, very good. And I can't argue with it either. We'll uh, dive a bit deeper into the player of the seasons next time, as I said, though, which uh, is it player of the seasons, that's not right. <laughs> the award winners, I don't know. End of season awards, Tom. End of season awards? Yeah, fair enough. We'll do we'll do the other Bundesliga end of season awards next time. Right now, it's the end of podcast award, which I definitely didn't win. You've won the end of podcast <laughs> award, Lee. Uh, dear listener, hopefully you've won the end of podcast award as well there. There we go. Full stop. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.